Have you ever thought to yourself, how can we look at ourselves, not just from the physical plane, but also the mental, emotional, and energetic planes? There are so many different paths to heal, but whatever path you take, it's important to heal all four of these aspects. In this Light Up Your Worth episode, I talk with holistic astrologer Jolie as we dive into what a holistic astrologer is, how to know if we are in touch with our body, why it's important when being able to be in your own lane and not worrying about what everyone else is doing, and to stop comparing ourselves to others. I want to thank you for being here on this episode of Light Up Your Worth. I want to do a shout out to my listeners that are in Germany and Fiji. I'm so excited that you're here. And without further ado, we're going to jump into the episode. You are listening to Light Up Your Worth with transformational coach Debbie McAllister, whose vision is to provide spiritual connection, magical learning, and positive resources for your toolbox to raise the consciousness and frequencies for you and our Mother Earth, to discover the unbelievable resource within yourself. This podcast is for you, the spiritually curious, seeking inspiration, hope, and practical knowledge as you navigate healing, personal growth, and development, as you move forward with confidence, building a consciously intentional, radiant life. Each week, you will be given an all-access pass into the lives of other spiritual souls, energetic healers, spiritual modality experts, thought-provoking life coaches, empowering therapists, and uplifting authors who are real and vulnerable as they share their own unique journeys through healing and offer their gifts. This podcast is here to provide engaging and heart-centered conversations that offer so much wisdom, it will motivate you to light up your worth. Thank you for tuning in. Embrace your brilliant, gorgeous, and talented, worthy self. Hello, this is Debbie McAllister and this is Light Up Your Worth. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Jolly Knott. Jolly is a holistic astrologer, Reiki master, and the founder of Bohi Mindful. I think I messed that up, but her beliefs on healing are grounded in the power of heart center presence and connection. Isn't that beautiful? Using a variety of techniques, incorporating symbolism, stories, astrology, energy work, and more, Jolly seeks to provide a nurturing space for those women willing to go deep into furthering their journey of self-understanding, self-development, and growth. Healing is about moving from fixie to flow and learning to become one's own medicine. When we heal from within, we began to heal all that is around us to making the world a better place for everyone. Welcome, my friend. <laughs> Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am so excited. We were we were chatting like I usually do before because I obviously do a podcast because I like to talk to and listen and learn and share. <laughs> And we were, we were, we were, we were, we were talking. I'm like, oh my goodness, I probably got to start recording this episode because I'm chatting so much. But one of the first things I wanted to kind of dig into is understanding what is a holistic astrologer? 
Well, thank you for starting us off on a great question. So I, you know how Instagram limits your bio and, and I was really struggling to get across what it is that I do. And originally I was referring to myself as a holistic therapist, but when astrology came into the mix, I just thought, well, let's replace therapist with astrologer. So I primarily work using astrology and Reiki, but I also weave in medical Qigong, working with traditional Chinese medicine and aromatherapy and massage. So there's a a variety of tools that I have access to. And whether you're coming to see me for an astrology session, a Reiki session, or I offer an astro Reiki package, you can have them both. I'm pulling in all these different models of healing that are ultimately holistic. And so that's where holistic astrologer comes from. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does to me because I really have never seen somebody, you know, I've had some, met some amazing people. And I know that a lot of us pull in a lot of things in our toolbox for how we go about healing, whether, you know, different types of modalities or body work and you know, like how you use um, aromatherapy and how powerful that can be in itself. Mm-hmm. And, but mm-hmm. hadn't actually come across anybody using the Reiki with astrology and then adding in the Chinese medicine. Like that's just really a, a really powerful way to be able to combine all of those different strengths of each of the, you know, the healing modalities. So thank you for that clarification. It really is uh, powerful when I think of like having, heart-centered presence and connection with people. I think we could probably just keep talking all day long about how important connecting into our own heart is and and having those connections with people and how that really connects with us healing our own stories, our own things that we've mm-hmm. either you know, had those experiences or that space. And so I'd really like to understand how this is all like, how did you start pulling this all together? You know, like where, where did you start with, you know, this pathway, this journey that you've taken to be able to help others and help women really connect and go through this journey for themselves? So, you know, it's, it's interesting because ultimately a lot of the work we end up doing comes out of the work that started when we were trying to help ourselves. And I grew up in a family where my father was a doctor. He's retired now. But, you know, this idea of helping people and caring for people was always really important. It was front and center of, you know, how my family thrived and survived, if you will. And so, you know, at one point did look into going into medicine, but just decided it wasn't for me and went on to have a very kind of varied career. I, I went kind of the gamut from from marketing to I was working in the financial markets as a broker, you know, it, it, so it was, it was quite interesting. I was very lucky to kind of wear a lot of different hats. But along the way, I became increasingly aware that something was missing, something wasn't quite right. And it really came to a head when I was trying to start a family with my husband. And I was in my late 30s. I didn't think it was going to be an issue until it was. And this is when I started to learn Reiki as a tool of self-compassion. 
And then along the way, I ended up adding in the medical Qigong. And there's so many different schools of medical Qigong, but essentially the the one that I learned, this is when I was still living in Japan, akin to energetic acupuncture. That's probably the easiest way to describe it. And this was combined with aromatherapy. So that's something my teacher had already done. And then astrology has always been of interest to me. I started really diving deep around 2013. And then in 2018, I started really deep diving into the nervous system and trying to understand how we are on the the physical plane. So for me, my work is really based on how we can look at ourselves, not just from the physical plane, but also the mental plane, the emotional plane, and the energetic plane. And, you know, there's so many paths to healing, but whatever path you take, it's my belief that healing is to make whole. And you're not going to achieve that unless you are looking at those four levels, the, the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the energetic. If you're only tackling two out of the four, for example, of course, you'll see some improvement, but it might not be lasting. So that's the way I see it. Oh, I, I hope that answers the question. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it does. In fact, when you were uh, talking through it, I was like, oh, I need to write all those down. But really, I really can follow your your pathway of understanding how we start out by areas that are part of our own front and center with our own lives. And I've noticed that in myself, as well as multiple healing uh, modality folks that I've met, all the amazing women that I've met and also, and men and the coaches and just, I think everybody I've had on the podcast has really started from that point of where they intersected with something that was coming up in life. But I really love in that explanation too, was that it's all four and we can go do a lot of work. Like we might do a deep dive into the energy work into it, into, you know, some of the other areas. And I I've recently seen this happen. You know, I've spent a lot of time in a lot of the areas, but not as much on my physical And boy, have I been given the opportunity (laughs) this last uh, couple of years to really focus on connecting that last part with the physical. Mm -hmm. And yes, yes, my gosh, it's been life changing. (laughs) As fascinating as this conversation is, we are going to pause for a moment and we'll be right back. And it's interesting because when you think about it, I think that this is something that's starting to bubble up to the surface, if you will. But, you know, modern society is all about go, go, go. It's very um, linear in terms of its view of time and in terms of its view on productivity. You know, we're just meant to be constantly producing and consuming. So we're not taught a lot of these principles of self-care and self-understanding. However, obviously, and certainly after the last two years of of COVID, I think there's been a a huge shift in the world in terms of, you know, where we're going from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The being it's, um, Oh, the being. And then, and then when, as I don't know about you, but I'd like to hear back is that, 
learning to be, you you start to practice being, and then those around you may not practice being. So the judgments that you might feel or actually might be true or the feelings that you get from others as you're practicing being really opens up for another whole level of healing and learning. I th- some of, I don't know if it's self-acceptance of when you've learned how to be, but then how do you, you know, you could be living with somebody who's like, why, <laughs> what's this being thing? And what is being, what does being mean to you? Like what, what would that what would that involve if you're being that okay so this is um this is something that's recently come up i'm in the midst of a transformational coaching course and absolutely loving it and working with my coach she shared this beautiful beautiful story so if i if i could just share it with you please now, please because it speaks to exactly what you're talking about so bear with me in 2012 Michael Phelps was swimming his signature race, the 200-meter butterfly. And a South African swimmer by the name of Chad Lebeau, I think, might be mispronouncing his surname, had beaten Michael in the pre-qualifying race. So he had already shown that he could beat Michael Phelps. And during the actual race, a photographer managed to get this really amazing shot at a certain angle where he captured both swimmers. And you can see Michael Phelps is in his lane doing his thing. And Chad has his head turned. He's watching Michael. Michael went on to win gold in his race. And Chad didn't even platform. He came in fourth. And what we can take away from this is that instead of swimming his own race, he was swimming Michael's race. He was comparing himself to Michael. Comparison invites judgment and judgment interrupts flow. So what is being? Being is being in your own lane, swimming your own race and being in flow without worrying about who else is doing what. That's my definition. Wow. I got goosebumps. I love that story. I love that story too, because how many times does that throw you off when you start comparing yourself and we've all done it. I mean, we're all, you know, we've all, nobody can, I don't think there's anybody who can say they've never been doing something at some point paused. And I wonder if I'm doing this right. Why aren't I doing this? Or, uh, or I can't do this as best as that person. And I've seen it actually quite a bit in this holistic, our healing world, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. healers or coaches, especially, or even the authors that I've met is that they've all questioned themselves of what, who do I, who should I be? And I know I had thought about this podcast a year before I launched it. And then I was in a coaching program and she's a podcaster and she's like, well, we're going to talk about it later. And I just, bam, I, I launched it. I was like, if I start overthinking it, I'm going to like get all caught up in it again. And it pauses us. We're not able to really be our best selves. So I'm going to bring that back to when you are being, you're in your spot, you're in your lane. And then if other people don't understand, you are actually doing that side glance of worrying that judgment of what they're thinking. So interestingly, so this, this now comes back actually to the nervous system piece. When we have healthy boundaries, 
and healthy boundaries. This is this comes from I'm going to mess up her name now. Jules Taylor Shore. She's a somatic experiencing practitioner and a licensed counselor and marriage therapist in the state of Texas, I believe. She's got this great workshop. No, it's bigger than a workshop, mini course on boundaries. And she talks about the the four different kinds, physical boundaries, psychological boundaries, containing boundaries, and executed boundaries. When we have a healthy psychological boundary, which is the distance between you and me, the, the space between you and me, then what's happening is that I am able to comport myself in a way that serves me and doesn't worry overly or over much about what's happening with you. Obviously, if there's behavior that's threatening, then yes, then that could put me in danger. But your feelings are not dangerous to me. And so this is a so this is another angle on self-development that does come from initiating safety in the body. And when we feel safe in the body, we can build resilience into our boundaries. And when we have resilience in our boundaries, they are healthy. We are able to go, wow, I'm really sorry that this is not sitting right with you, but this is my path. And, you know, I I can only be with you so far before I have to let you figure it out for yourself. Does, Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And how it all falls into our own feeling safe in our own body. That's, that's really, uh, really, really powerful. Having experienced that recently. (laughs) Mm. Oh, it's such a, it's, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful when we, we feel that. And, you know, the one thing that I would, I guess also mention is that of course, there's so much work that we can do by ourselves. But usually trauma, whether it's big T trauma, little T trauma, you know, I I don't even like looking at it that way. But usually when there is something that has interrupted our flow, it's usually because we've seen it modeled elsewhere, right? Or it's something that we witnessed that affected us or however, you know, there's many different paths again. But the point is it happens in connection. So often when we want to heal, of course, it's good to do work on your own. But most of the time, the, you know, the, the finishing touches, that nice little bow is going to come when you're doing the work in connection to someone else. So it, there needs to be that balance, I guess, is what I'm saying. I think, well, I know for myself, I, I can do so much work by myself, but ultimately the work is going to be that much more powerful when I do it in connection to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that there's a balance too. I know that we're responsible for, I believe we're responsible for our own healing. There is a lot of stuff that we can do and learn for ourselves to heal ourselves. And then you get, there are moments in time though, and depending on what you're, you're digging into is that you can't see all your roadblocks. You just can't, even energetically, as an energetic healer, as a Reiki master myself and a a sacred soul alignment, you know, advanced practitioner, which is super powerful energy work. 
as that there are things that I simply cannot see that the universe will not allow me to see within myself. And yet I could have 10 minutes talking with you and you're like, oh yeah, here it is. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I've been working on. Right. Like, you know, the physical element of what we had talked about tying into the nervous system and then tying into our whole physical part of that healing, mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. safe, or even, are you even in your body? Yes. Disassociation is, you know, a very common thing because again, our, our modern day society demands so much of us and, you know, in a normal um, regulated nervous system, if, if that's baseline, you know, you have a stressor come in and, you know, the, the sympathetic arousal, the sympathetic nervous part of the nervous system mm-hmm. comes up. We get peak arousal. But when we're regulated, we go, ah, that deadline's actually next week or, oh, it's not as bad as I thought or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And we come back down to baseline. So you get this nice little sine curve, if you will. And, and that's what it does. It goes up and down and up and down. But because, again, of the stresses of the modern day lives that we lead and, and the 24-7 news and, you know, the iPhone that never lets us sleep, you know, what often happens is the stressor comes in and we get stuck at that peak arousal and the body can't sustain that. So then what happens is you drop. And sometimes you drop below baseline and now you're in maybe a state of functional freeze, for example. And, you know, you're not really feeling your emotions anymore, but you're able to, you know, for some people, you're able to get up and go. And in fact, you can't stop because stopping means becoming aware of the fact that something's missing inside. Mm-hmm. So you, you just go, 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 go. But because modern day society rewards you for go, 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 you're, you know, you're allowed to kind of hold this pattern indefinitely. And really what's happening is that sympathetic arousal is really, you know, it's that energy is still there, but it's trapped in the body. And so inside the body is got that foot hard on the accelerator, but then another part of your body's got the foot on the brake. And you just imagine doing that to your car. You're going to wreck your car. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah. can't, it can't go for very long. That engine revving and the brake and. As fascinating as this conversation is, we are going to pause for a moment and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Debbie. If you have appreciated the phenomenal and nourishing spiritual souls that have blessed us as the guests of the podcast, I would invite you to please consider supporting the operational expenses of the podcast. I recently set up a Patreon account through the urging of some friends. So what's in it for you? There are ongoing benefits of joining the Light Up Your Worth Patreon account. There's a peek at the exclusive behind the scenes of creating a podcast, bonus episodes with my guests, and energetic healing meditations. And I am just beginning. Your Patreon support allows me to continue the podcast vision to provide spiritual connection, magical learning, and positive resources to nurture you on your spiritual journey. Together, we can raise the consciousness and frequency for yourself, 
the collective and mother earth. Please support me on Patreon. You can begin to subscribe for as low as $2.27 per month, which is really less than a coffee or subscription to watch TV. So you can find it at www.patreon.com, light up your worth, all one word, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash light up your worth, no spaces, sending you sunshine. Hi, Debbie here. Are you a lover of essential oils, crystals, energy healing work, channeled messages? positive affirmations well do i have something to share with you my friend nikki is the owner of sage essential oils she's on instagram sage underscore essential oils i'll include that in the show notes but i wanted to share with you that she does these amazing essential oil alchemy blends that have crystals and these amazing blends of essential oils called Ground Alchemy, Calm Alchemy, Uplift, Nurture, Daydream. And they're all these really delicious and yummy blends. She also includes with each order a personal intuitive affirmation that's downloaded and channeled just for you and a beautiful postcard. So as a healer, she's a Reiki healer and she does ancestral healing sessions as well. And she's located in Australia. And so if you want to try these amazing things, I highly recommend them. I love them and use them in my own life. So again, her Instagram is sage underscore essential oils. Let her know that you heard about her here on Light Up Your Worth podcast. Yeah, you know, I've I've had moments where and it seems like it's just not or moments. I just I'd have years of my life where the the pedal was on the metal, you know, full blast. And then you're so tired, mm-hmm. but you can't fall asleep. You can't relax. Yeah, that's this is it. This is it. Yeah. Another manifestation, right? Because it's like I can't relax. I don't even know what relaxing is. I desperately want to go to sleep, but you know, my mind is racing. Yeah. I remember in my like twenties and thirties, I used to sleep with a tablet next to my bed. That was like one of my practices I had for a long time to be able to get up and just write it out or the journaling, the, the intensity Mm -hmm. of the journaling that I would go through, or just not to forget, you know, Oh, you're running out of almond milk. Like, don't forget to pick that up tomorrow. Like, so that I could relax. But uh, luckily those years are behind me. Yay. Right. And that learning how yeah. to be, learning how to be. So if somebody is thinking, I wonder like what initially started this was how do we even know if we're in our body? How would somebody know like that awareness? Maybe they're, they've been doing some work and they don't, or somebody has told them that, well, you could tell them that Jolie, you could say, oh, you know, first, let's just connect you to your body. Somebody might go, mm-hmm. what in the world mm-hmm. does that mean in a practical mm-hmm. sense? Like, how would I know if I wasn't connected in to my own physical body internally? I think a really key area is to figure out where your emotions are and how you experience 
your emotions. I'm aware that I think people can switch this up in different ways, but emotions in some ways, you've got emotions and feelings. And some people say it's the feelings that come up first, and then we label them as emotions. And some people say, well, the emotion actually arises in the body, and then we have feelings around them, you know, that are then translated into thoughts. So as far as I'm concerned, you can argue it either way. But the point is that something comes up, a state will come up in our body. You see a little puppy and your heart melts. You're like, oh, look at this little puppy, isn't it so cute? Or a little kitten, right? I don't know Uh if there was a viral video about a a man who stopped to help this little kitten. And as soon as he went to pick up this little kitten, another 12 kittens came running out. Like he was like, oh my goodness, we've got, we've, you know, what is going on? Because they all came running out when they saw their sibling being picked up. They were like, oh, safety, you know, and they came running out. Anyway, that's by the by. But the point is, is that, you know, when we have, whether you want to call it an emotion or a feeling, something comes up and we can really feel it in our body and then we can identify it. I'm just, I'm looking at my, my 15 year old Beagle mm. who I, I, I absolutely adore him. And I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this beautiful, warm, fuzzy feeling in my chest. And I'm thinking that's love, right? Or I'm watching the news and I'm seeing things I don't like. And I'm really feeling like, the hackles in my on my neck getting up and I'm thinking, oh, how can people be so stupid? You know, and 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 I'm getting angry, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated. And so the question is, you know, if you take a pause, how much of that is cognitive and how much of that are you feeling in your body? And most people, I think, would be able to maybe give a percentage even. Right now, the reason you might not feel something in your body is because your body doesn't feel safe. And that, again, happens to so many people because of that, that sign curve, that regulation, nervous system regulation isn't there. So are you going to sneeze? I was going to sneeze. <laughs> like, I'll send it a pause. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Live no. recordings without editing. No. Yeah, it's past. It's about interesting, though, that it came up when you were talking about that. The whole, the percentage of feeling something and like something was coming up to be released. And then I'm like, where'd it go? Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I think it was the love, right? The love of, the, of our dog, because I have. Uh, my 11, sorry, she's nine, uh, my nine-year-old sleeping here, my sweet little, yeah. my sweet girl. And um, I I love that example of being able to connect in at a percentage of being able to, when you're thinking it versus the feeling it and feeling safe in our body. I can completely uh, relate to that as I feel like for a few, a period of time, maybe it's a couple of years now that I wasn't feeling so safe and more for my own stuff of why wasn't I feeling safe? I had to go in Mm -hmm. and figure that out. It wasn't based upon anybody else. It wasn't based Mm -hmm. upon my environment who was in my life. It had to do with, there was something inside of me that wasn't feeling safe. 
And so I had to go through this journey of figuring out why wasn't I feeling safe? And it has been really a a beautiful journey full of uh, lots of emotions and feelings and being in my head of uh, challenging it and then linking it back to my own body and the signs and the physical part of the healing that my body was giving me. And I know today as I talk with you, Jolie, is that I am definitely feeling safe in my body in the high nineties right now. Right. Like, like, Oh my gosh. Like I could just like jump up and connecting in with that ability is literally changing my physical presence. Yes. And your environment as well. There's a ripple effect, right? And Mm -hmm. and that is why this work is so powerful. You know, you might want, you know, for example, couples counseling, obviously, if, if you're having an issue and you're able to go to couples counseling together, well, great. But sometimes that's not going to happen. That's not possible. And there's still benefit from one person going and to counseling or whatever modality they choose to, to go through in order to do some work for themselves. You know, again, what I've been learning is that when we are feeling compassion and gratitude, this is cultivating a sense of safety in our bodies, right? It's kind of overriding, if you will, the amygdala. Now, again, this is depending on the individual. For some people, it's easier to get to that state of compassion and gratitude than it is for others. So this is a bit of a general overgeneralization. But the idea is this is why we practice you know, gratitude journaling. And this is why people make such a big deal about compassion, because when we do that, we are calming down our brain, right? If you imagine your brain on fire, then the compassion and gratitude is almost like the rain and it's, it's soothing and it's, it's trying to put this fire out. And if you are working with a trusted trauma-informed practitioner, then what's happening is you're you're receiving this beautiful compassion from your practitioner and that is coming in through your right brain and then you are also practicing self-compassion towards yourself and that's coming in through your left brain and that is where you get this magical delicious feeling of safety parasympathetic you know, is hopefully coming online. And the parasympathetic part of our nervous system is rest and digest, tend and mend. That is where healing takes place. So yeah, it's just, it's important to connect the dots, I think, Mm -hmm. because then it, it helps people see where they're going and why they're doing what they're doing. Rest and can you repeat that again? Rest and Rest so uh, and this reset. is parasympathetic. Uh-huh. Is is rest and digest. Okay. So again, if your if your parasympathetic system isn't online regularly enough, then what's happening is you're probably not sleeping well and you're not digesting well. Because if you think about it, the sympathetic we want a little bit of sympathetic arousal in our in our bodies, but the sympathetic part of our nervous system is really about flight, fight, or freeze. And when our body is trying to get ready to do one of those three things, it is taking the blood away from 
essential operations such as digestion, right? Mm-hmm. It's taking the prefrontal cortex offline because this takes too long to figure things out. It's going straight to, you know, the subcortical part of our brain because that's so much faster. And so, and you think about it, right? It's putting all the blood out into your limbs so that if you need to run, you are going to run. If you need to fight, you're going to have, you know, all the energy is right there. So the idea of digestion or healing, the cleanup crew, it's all hands on deck. So they're, they're not doing those jobs. They're doing the job of helping you fight or flee. So that's why if you are in a constant state of sympathetic arousal, you're not resting well, you're not digesting well, you're not tending and mending, you're not connecting with people well, and you're not mending on the inside well. Does that make sense? Yes. Hopefully. Yes. And that shows up with not being able to fall asleep or not being able to stay asleep. That shows up where maybe you, I went to bed early and then I woke up and because I was so tired or all of the cultural thing about the obsession with coffee, mm-hmm. like all the, mm-hmm. coffee, you know, I need a coffee cup this big. And I, I, I personally drink coffee, but it's back down. But I've noticed that connection with my rest, with the amounts of caffeine. And then that cycle that starts, right? Like, oh, I need two big cups of coffee or, and then at night I need to take something to help me sleep because I can't slow myself down. So then in the morning I'm not rested. And then I feel like by the end of the work week, like I'm like, okay, I am like exhausted, right? The whole, it's Mm -hmm. almost Friday thing and versus being able to Mm -hmm. be able to really manage our own stuff. And then I think about those times in life when I was in that stage, man, I couldn't eat enough Tums. My digestive system was like, you know, like that stress was showing up there and it didn't even matter what I ate. It seems like you would just all of a sudden, you know, like a candy bar was giving me upset stomach, the digestive or gas people have, or, you know, like how it kind of shows up, right. Or interesting enough, you know, and rest, Mm. I've probably have talked about rest a little bit, but on other episodes, but one of the things that I really have noticed is this last 12 months, I had the opportunity for most days to not set an alarm. And I did a study on myself. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just to really understand, I had many years ago, probably 15 years ago, I had taken a course with Alison Armstrong, who is about understanding men. And in her series of work, she had what was called the Queen Workshop. And I remember flying up, I was in California at the time, flying up to Seattle and spending these three days with these, this amazing course. I think it's renamed something now, but, and in that course, we had to write down our basic needs. Like how many hours of sleep do you need? How many do you get? And it's always Mm -hmm. stuck with me. So during this last year, I did this like impromptu study on myself and I wanted to figure out what is my optimal amount of sleep at this point in my life? What is it that I wake up and I'm me? Yeah, I still might have a small cup of coffee, but I am, I'm all here, right? Like I'm connected in my body. I'm feeling good. What I discovered was shocking. What I discovered was that I need like nine, nine and a half hours of sleep. And 
I think back on most of my life, it was between probably six and seven. And then if you had a weekend to sleep in, to catch up, catch up. Yeah. Right? yeah Isn't yeah. that a myth? Yeah. There's no catch up. You know, you might sleep in one day and you got eight hours or nine hours of sleep. And then in two days, you're still feeling strung out because you need more sleep. Mm -hmm. And it was really powerful. So as I've navigated this, you know, recent life change and step back into a corporate role in healthcare, I've setting up my routines to be able to say, how can I now support my body knowing Okay, maybe nine and a half is a bit too much, but how can I support it with nine hours of sleep? And if, does that mean yeah. I need to go to bed with the chickens? Have I become going to bed with the chickens kind of person? Because I have to allow time for my morning meditation and I have to allow time for me to have a moment to myself so that I don't get back onto that whole, you know, foot to the middle on the power with my nervous system so that I can start my morning out just a little bit more easier. So somehow this night person has now changed their routine where I'm able to get up at 545, which is unbelievable to anybody who's ever known me. I'm like the person, you know, like, no, no. And I'm able to get up between 545 and six o'clock and get up and, and start my, you know, my morning, the meditation, the stuff I used to kind of make fun of people actually probably a long time ago, but because I thought, oh no, I'm going to get sleep. Now I also can pause it. If I need extra sleep, maybe I went to bed later. I have that wiggle room to go, okay, I can, I'll give myself 60, you know, or 30 more minutes or something, right. Without having to hit that freaking snooze 15 times. I just reset up my morning, mm -hmm. but it's been really powerful being able to set that up. And now my body wakes up at that 545, which is astonishing to me that I set my, my nighttime starts around 830. I start winding down nine o'clock. It's like, okay, go do your, you know, brush your teeth, wash your face routine. And then you are by 915, you are doing your evening meditation and that by 9.30, 9.35, I am falling asleep, listening to some energetic healing, but I'm falling asleep and I sleep up until, you know, that one Beautiful. time I do wake up and, and I do wake up one time in the middle of the night, 99% of the time, that's my routine. And so when I wake up, I've been tracking what's my mood when I wake up as well in this mm -hmm. and it's been really super power, super powerful. Like it sounds so simple, right? It does. But, but, you know, again, it's it, sometimes I feel like we're, we're swimming uphill. I mean, I absolutely love that you're doing this and really, you know, as a night owl myself, I do find that I, I want to, you know, it's like, Oh, everybody's asleep. Oh, you know, I'm on my own. Like, oh, I can kind of, I don't know, have a chocolate, you know, a bit of dark chocolate. I can read a book. I can watch a little bit of TV and not have to worry about what everybody else wants to watch, you know. But the thing is, is that we want to really follow our body's circadian rhythm. And when we, uh, this is part of this idea of working with the energy, working with the body. I know that, and people laugh, but there's a kind of theory that if you were to go to bed before 10 p.m. consistently, it will help you lose weight. 
And the reason for that is because the even though human growth hormone secretions really come down as we age, it's still secreted, but it's secreted between 10 p.m. and 12 p.m. And if you want to take advantage of that in terms of helping your metabolism, helping your body, you know, do its thing, you need to be in bed. By 945, you need to be kind of falling asleep by 10 so that that part of your body can kick in, you know, I'm doing that. You are doing that, which is awesome. On this journey too, right? And I'm not going to share how much I've already lost, but because I got more to go, but oh my gosh, I just have to tell my body that thank you, you know, you look great. Yeah. (sighs) Stay tuned for the second part of this delightful interview on Saturday. And if you enjoyed this Light Up Your Worth episode, and I hope you did, please be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when the conclusion of this interview is posted. If you feel so inclined, please rate and review this podcast episode and share with your friends. You can find me, lightupyourworth.net, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, and on YouTube. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope that you are leaving with some inspiration, hope, and practical knowledge that can help you in your spiritual, personal development and growth in your radiant life. Sending sunshine.